The uh, scripture lesson, the scripture text for tonight is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. It, it's an interesting passage because it follows uh, teachings about uh, elders and deacons. And I think uh, maybe as Presbyterians, we get so caught up in that, that these ending words of the chapter can escape us. I know when I... Uh, finally saw this passage and it hit me, I wondered when they put it in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's just like I've read it a hundred times, but it never, you know, hit me. But finally it did, and I'm grateful to God that that's the case. Hear the word of God. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Pray with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform is one of William Cooper's great hymns. It is based on the message of Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. This passage and Cooper's hymn speak of God's attributes, which make his ways mysterious to you. Yet God is able and, in fact, has taught you much about his mysteries. Jesus tells you this in Matthew 13, 11, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, that is those who are not Christians, it has not been granted. In John 3, 1, uh, we get this really very clarifying point. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Being the children of God gives you godliness. You can't have it any other way. Paul tells you there is a mystery to godliness in this passage in Timothy. It's not really godliness itself, it's living godly lives, but the things which enable, encourage, and empower godliness. These are the mystery. Paul wants you to know the mystery to understand it. He tells you so you will conduct your life properly as a member of Christ's church. Listen to the items Paul lists as the mystery of godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, 
preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. I wanted to read that. It's a different translation. It's the New King James, but just so you get a little different perspective. One commentator called these phrases the six glories of the Redeemer God. You will see that they are really three pairs or couplets. Now, when you heard those words, they may not have sounded like a mystery to you. They may have sounded familiar in a certain way. You likely understood them to identify the life of Christ. Perhaps in different terms than usual, these phrases bring to mind historical, biblical events, but they are given in spiritual terms. Though they are completely redemptive, they don't even mention the crucifixion or the resurrection. This telling of redemptive history tells the mystery of godliness. Knowing and understanding these mysteries is important for your expression of godliness and for telling others what undergirds your godly expression of your faith in Christ, the hope that is within you. If these are mysteries, Paul needs to tell you, if these are mysteries Paul needs to tell you about, you understand how mysterious they must be to the world. The world can even know the historical events and they could even believe them to a certain degree. The spiritual nature of the events, the world does not know. They cannot understand them. They deny the need for them. They don't know how they changed you or why you would give up the pleasures of sin because of them. They misconstrue why the mystery of godliness isn't you earning your way to heaven as a goody two-shoes but rather the response of a grateful heart to these spiritual elements of redemption. Paul tells you these things to help you tell the world about this great mystery. He explains it further in 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. He also tells Timothy and you in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The mystery of godliness is at the heart of what you need to tell the world of the hope that is in you and what you therefore ought to rightly divide. The mystery begins with the fact that God came as man. Paul says God was manifested in the flesh. To fully understand that, consider the relationship of God and man. That really is a mystery. God created everything else in the world, but he wasn't satisfied the world was complete, and so in the council of the Trinity, he proclaimed, let us make man in our image. 
God created you in his image. Since God is a spirit, spirit clearly your human body is not that image, and I will be example number one of that, okay? So there's more to the mystery. The mystery is that God came as a man. He took on a human form and nature. God created man in his image, and now he comes to man in man's image. That's a mystery that only deepens when the implications, the purpose of God coming as a man, are considered. Taking on the nature of a human tells much about his desire to redeem you from your sins, considering the cost he paid to redeem you. That begins with the great humiliation that Christ endured to become a creature with all the limitations of a creature. To live life facing all that you do and so much more, for he did so without sin. It tells how, it tells how he identified with you and builds it all into what follows. It is the mystery of godliness that your lives must show to others so they may be drawn to the Savior. This mystery of godliness is, known, is, is to know God's love for you, which he made abundantly doable by sending his son, Emmanuel, God, with you. Only by knowing Jesus can you understand the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness builds on, God's, on God manifest in the flesh when it, these words are added, justified in the spirit. Now, I know I just read to you, and you, well, the word justified wasn't there. The word vindicated was there, and we'll get there in just a moment. Now, on face value, that should be a mystery to most, if not all of you. The last thing that, that God manifests Jesus needed was to be justified or vindicated. He was sinless. There were no broken laws that needed to be corrected. Justification was not possible for Jesus. Yet Paul says that Jesus was justified in the spirit. And so it is a mystery. Now the word vindicated tells the result of the spirit's work, but you'll see the work of the spirit is to justify. The mysterious activity of the spirit is making things right, setting things right, correcting errors and of perception. So the action you will see is justifying and the result is vindication. That ties the spirit's work of justification to the human nature of Christ, the first two phrases in this mystery of godliness. As a man, Christ didn't come with the visible evidence that he was God. Think about it. Lowly birth. Chosen, but by the world's standards, nobodies as his earthly parents. Perceived to be conceived sinfully. Nothing spectacular for the eyes to see. This all led to what we know of his acceptance. He was despised and rejected. His own received him not. He was seen as a blasphemer, 
a troublemaker, a nonconformist. He was betrayed by one of his closest associates. He was crucified, the most miserable and despicable method of execution. He didn't have a place to call his own, even in his death. He was denied the praise, honor, and glory that he deserved. Even at the triumphal entry, the lingering question was, who is this? None of this suggests to man that Jesus was God. The world's thinking was out of kilter. It needed to be made right. It needed to be justified, aligned with the truth, not the perception. So let's look at the Spirit's work. It was the Spirit who was the agent of his conception. It was the Spirit who descended on him at his baptism. It was the Spirit who led him through his life. It was the Spirit that he sent to comfort, encourage, and empower his followers. And it was in the Spirit that he rose from the dead and reclaimed and renewed his human nature, his body, through the resurrection. In each and every one of these elements, the Spirit's work justifies the person of Christ, human and divine. The vindication part is seen in you today as you bear godliness and therefore the mystery. The Spirit wooed you to have faith in Christ. The Spirit gives you power and even the words to speak in times of need. The Spirit illumines the Word of God as you read the Bible. The Spirit comforts you. The Spirit teaches you the truth about Jesus, removes the blindness from your eyes so you can see Christ truly, so you can understand the mystery of godliness. The Spirit justifies the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ in your understanding so that God with us God manifest in the person of Jesus Christ is vindicated in all that he accomplished for you. The first couplet teaches you what you need to know to tell others of the foundation of the hope within you. It is a mystery to them. It is the foundation of your godliness. You will not save a person that you tell of this hope. Salvation is the Spirit's work, but the telling of the hope in you is God's means of allowing the Spirit to justify, vindicate Christ to a sinner. In these first two elements, you see the natures of Christ, human and divine. It is a mystery to the world. It is a joy of the Christian that Christ came as a man so you can know he knows your experience and that in the spirit he rose from the dead to conquer sin and Satan. It is your hope. It is the bedrock of your godliness. The second couplet also has earthly and heavenly elements. The mystery of godliness continues, seen by the angels. Some instances of that may already have come to your mind. An angel announced to Mary she would bear the son, bear a son, the savior of, a war, of the world. 
An angel appeared to Joseph regarding Mary's pregnancy. Angels were in the fields of Bethlehem the night of Christ's birth to sing glory to God before the shepherds in those fields. Angels attended Jesus after his 40 days fast and temptation in the wilderness. An angel was with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Angels were present at the empty tomb and announced to those first visitors that Christ was risen. Angels spoke to those gathered at Christ's ascension and asked them why they were gazing into heaven, implying that Jesus had given them a great commission to carry out. Yes, you can easily identify that Jesus was seen by angels. These sightings, however, don't seem to be much of a mystery. They are reported clearly. Their purpose is clear, really, on each occasion. There doesn't seem to be much of a mystery about them. However, the mystery is revealed in the word seen. In Paul's accounting of the mystery of godliness, he doesn't list or even allude to the ministrations that I mentioned of the angels to Jesus. It's not what the angels did that Paul is talking about. It's what the angels saw that is the mystery of godliness. Now, there are two references to angels that help uncover the mystery. The first is found in Hebrews. Hebrews begins by speaking about the revelation of Jesus. It's as though he was unknown before his coming. And in many ways, that is true. The opening tells of the angels also. And in verse 6, which speaks of Christ's incarnation, the Bible says, God says, let all the angels of God worship him. It sounds like this is something new to the angels, something they were not expecting or didn't know about. The notion is further supported by 1 Peter 1. Again, you hear of the revelation of God's provision for redemption through Christ. Then in verse 10 and following, you read, Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And listen carefully, things which the angels desire to look into. Please know first that the gospel being preached to you by the Holy Spirit, once again, the Spirit's justifying work. Now back to what the angels saw. You have the mystery revealed here. The prophets didn't see clearly what they were foretelling. They studied to understand it better. And then this amazing statement, things which the angels desire to look into. Now the mystery of godliness phrase seen by angels takes on a different perspective. They weren't simply seeing with their eyes. They were seeing with their understanding. 
when the angels sang over the fields of Bethlehem, they were seeing in the getting it sense that God, what God was doing. It wasn't simply a rehearsed choir piece that the angels sang. They were bursting forth from their new insight, the glory of God in the highest, for they saw as never before what God was doing. They saw a new peace on earth for those who would believe. They saw the gospel unfolding before them. They saw the things they desired to look into. I would be wanting to sing glory to God in the highest. Amen? In all the other cases I've mentioned, the angels were seeing what they didn't see before. The gospel was being revealed to them. They're not God. They're in heaven. Yes, they're heavenly hosts, but they're not God. Imagine now the glorious reception that Christ received when he ascended to heaven. The mystery now revealed to all the heavenly hosts. Jesus was seen by angels like never before. It was a special revelation to them of the great plan of God's redemption of man. They didn't know God's redemptive plan, but now they saw the details, the mystery unfolding for them, and their astonishment ought to speak to you about your salvation. You see this in Luke 15, 10 and elsewhere. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Angels rejoicing over God's provision of salvation and over you, if you are a sinner saved by grace. The angel seeing God's redemption tells you how wonderful, amazing, awesome, This mystery of godliness is as it relates to what God has done for you. There's more when you look at the second part of this mystery couplet. Preached among the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 1.18 explains this further. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. You know the gospel message is life-changing. It, conver- it converts the heart of a man from being a God-hater to being a God-lover. It's a mystery to the world, but a central tenet of your hope. Not only don't they understand preaching, they particularly miss the importance of God giving his gospel to the Gentiles. Now, most of you may be Gentiles. I happen to be, by the laws of Israel, Jewish, so I don't need this. No, I do need this, okay? (laughs) In the incarnation spoken of in the first couplet, you saw the manifestation of the Redeemer to the Gentiles with the arrival of the Magi. It wasn't mentioned, but the event was mentioned, the entire event of his birth. Jesus presented the gospel to the Samaritan woman, pointing out to her the Jews know God and have a place to worship. But, but soon all would be able to worship in spirit and in truth. This certainly seems very natural. 
not a mystery. The mystery is said to be the gospel was preached to the Gentiles, not just God's chosen people. The mystery is particularly and especially in your hands. It is put there by Jesus. It is encapsulated in the words of Jesus spoken at the end of his earthly ministry. You find these words in Matthew 28, 18 and following. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the mystery of godliness, that God would so love the world that he would commission you to take the gospel into the world, not just to his chosen people, but to all people. And I have to say that we have not done a very good job of this. We can look at the condition of the world and we realize that we have not made disciples as we have been commissioned to do. The world cannot begin, you see, on their part to comprehend the great gift of godliness. And this is one of the great causes of you being unknown to the world. The natural man doesn't want to hear the gospel, doesn't want to know they have a need, can't conceive of hell, and doesn't believe that they can't earn their way to whatever heaven is by their own good works. Yet they sit in the shadow of death. Psalm 1 says, unless they hear and believe the good news. This compelling gift of God, this great commission he gave you, is a complete and utter mystery to the world. You must be prepared to tell of this mystery when they ask a reason for the hope that is in you. This couplet once again expresses the wonder of the mystery of godliness to all of God's realm. Like the flesh and the spirit of the first couplet. Here you see the joining of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm in the revealing of the gospel to heavenly hosts and to all mankind. It is a mystery of godliness. The world does not comprehend, but they must be born again. The human side of this mystery is in our hands to take to the world. Now we come to the final couplet. The first part says, believed on in the world. Perhaps you've noticed there is a progression in these phrases. They start with the manifestation, manifestation of Christ and his justification, vindication of being the God-man. Then, they, then revelation to the unfolding of God's redemptive plan is seen by angels and by men. Now comes the fulfillment, the purpose of being ready to give an answer to those who inquire about the mystery you are. And is that the word will be believed. It is a mystery to the world why anyone would believe. They see the preaching of the word as foolish. Go down to the boardwalk chapel during one of their services and you'll quickly realize how foolish the world believes preaching is. Yet you know it to be the wisdom and power of God. For your presence here tonight 
is only through the proclamation of the word of God. This is the pinnacle of the human side of these three couplets. It underscores that you should understand the mystery of godliness and be prepared to tell the world the reason for the hope that is within you. On the spiritual side or heavenly side, you are told Christ is received up in glory. This is the pinnacle of the heavenly spiritual side of the couplet. The world wonders if Christ rose from the dead and lives forever, why isn't he here? The ascension is a mystery to them. To you, it is not a mystery. Christ tells you that he must go to heaven to send the Holy Spirit. The Spirit illumines you, comforts you, gives you words to speak, the words about the mystery of godliness. He endlessly justifies Christ to you as he teaches you through God's word. There's more. Christ ascended to heaven as a man. He stands before the Father as your advocate, and the Father sees a man. He sees Christ's righteousness, not your sin. If Christ hadn't ascended as a man, this would not be possible. This is a cause for, for the hope within you. It is a mystery of godliness, but it is also the wisdom of God. It's what the world needs to understand so they will know why you are not unknown in God's world, but they are, and lost in God's world if they do not embrace the mystery of godliness. Knowing the mystery of godliness and expressing it is a testimony to those around you. God tells you they will want to understand the hope you have. They will come to you and ask, what do you believe? God has taught you those things you must be prepared to speak to others about when they only see mystery. Embrace the hope within you. Now it's been noted that when you read these words in 1 Timothy, you see the life of Christ in a way. Now you can put them all together and say that Christ reveals the mystery of godliness. And we read these words in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 6. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, there are many things that are mysteries to us in this life. Yet you have taken care to teach us the mystery of godliness. 
You have taught us many things that we would and could not understand because of the sin in our lives. You have drawn us to you. You have opened our eyes. And you have taught us these things from your life expressed in a way that is unusual for us to hear them, but things that are important to godliness and to those who may seek by your urging godliness as well. So teach us to embrace the mysteries of your word that you have revealed to us so that we may be ready to tell others of the grace of the love, of the redemption, of the sacrifice, of the, rede- of the resurrection, and of the power of God. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.